0: While we are still standing, I direct your attention to 1 John chapter 5, but first I ask you if you will join me in prayer before we read this passage. Heavenly Father, because of Jesus Christ and the presence of your Holy Spirit, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that they will be pleasing to you. We pray this because you are our God, our rock. And your Son is our Redeemer. We'll wait upon you for this, for you are faithful, true, and kind. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Scripture reading will be 1 John chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 14 through 17. Our focus today will be on verses 16 and 17. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have toward him. That if we request anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we request, we know that we have the requests which we have requested from him. If anyone happens to see his brother sinning sin, that is not toward death, it shall be requested, and life will be given to those who are not sinning toward death. There is sin toward death. Concerning that, I am not saying requests should be made. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not toward death. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you'll just back your eyes up just a little bit, I'm going to point out something that's clear in verse 12. John is clear. He says there are those who have the life and others who do not have the life. We could say that they have the death. There are those of life and those of death. Verse 13, John has written so that we might have assurance that we have life, and this life is life in the ongoing age, the living age, sometimes called eternal life. Then in verses 14 and 15, John points out that we have confidence that it's not just that we are received, but our prayers are received as well. We are encouraged to pray, and the Lord delights to provide for his children who call out to him. Ask, seek, knock. I would like to pause now with wonder and gratitude. Two years ago today, many prayers were offered and received. Two years ago today, I had a stroke, heading home from the office here at the church. A couple of errands to run before I arrived at home. One was at Costco, and at Costco, I felt odd. I shook it off. I exited the parking lot to the north and got on the frontage road, and found my vehicle floating into the middle lane that was more than odd something was wrong i jerked the vehicle back to the right something's really wrong i pulled off the road and i parked in an empty parking lot it was 2020 And many things were shut down. I wondered if I was shutting down. But because of the shutdown, the parking lot was completely empty. I found a parking space, pulled in, sat, prayed, thought, and considered. I was thirsty. There's a water bottle in the console of the car. I took it, and my left hand wasn't working. I was still thirsty. Put the bottle between my legs, unscrewed it with my right hand, and then wanted my left hand to bring it to my mouth. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Found out that evening that a stroke had occurred and surgery was scheduled. And after surgery, I needed to relearn a number of things amidst <clears throat> fits of coughing, periodic choking, and seemingly incessant hiccupping. Then afterwards, the fatigue and the blur and the eventual re-strengthening of my left arm. And someday... We'll speak to Augustine about this. Couldn't hold him. Throughout that time, I knew that prayers were abundant and frequent. Askings were answered, seekings were found, and knocks received open doors. I remain grateful. I was home for Thanksgiving. Still, I'm slow and more deliberate. Still, I'm cold. Still, balance becomes an issue every once in a while and looking up and looking down is sometimes a challenge. And a small little thing Cracking an egg is odd. Back then and now, people prayed and cared, not just for me, but also for Denise, who had just had surgery on her foot. Meals were made and delivered, and songs were sung, and I still have recordings of those singers and those songs. Death and life... Memento mori, memento glory. We are invited to make our requests of the Lord. We know of prayer for others. And our passage today mentions prayer not just for others, but for other sinners who are sinning. The verses we shall focus on today, verses 16 and 17, refers to sin not toward death and sin toward death. We are urged to make prayer or request for the one, but not for the other. It sounds like we are encouraged to pray and not to pray. A fascinating passage. What's going on here? Curiosities and questions abound. And there's a tendency for some to just scramble over to the sin toward death and ask, what is this? Have I done that? Now, while I have a rather tenacious confidence of my acceptance before the Lord as well as a robust confidence in his willingness to answer prayer, I confess to having less confidence when it comes to this passage and I give thanks for this. The moment that my confidence is built upon my grasp, I'm broken indeed. Our confidence comes rather from the one who has a grasp upon us. Even so, first things first, let's take a look at the first part of verse 16. If anyone happens to, if anyone might see his brother, O oh, one another, sinning sin, that is not toward death, it shall be requested and life will be given to those who are not sinning toward death. First thing I want you to see is that it says, see. They happen to see this. This is seen. This is not read about on Twitter, nor is it received from a phone call, nor is it run through the meat grinder of the gossip mill or sourced out by sniffing and searching by someone who's on a search-and-destroy mission. No, this is C. If you happen to see, what's next? If anyone happens to see, might see his brother or one another sinning sin that is not toward death, it shall be requested. If anyone happens to see, might see your one another sinning a sin not to death, what are you to do? Write an email? Post it on Insta-gossip? Go tell it on the mountain? Over the hill and everywhere? No. You're to pray. To ask or to request is to pray. So once again, the door is flung open for prayer, for intercession, Praying for others and this time for sinners who are sinning. Why? Why intercede? Why pray? Why not just pounce and point a finger in their face? few answers for that. Why pray and not pounce? Well, if you happen to see someone sinning such a sin, and if you happen to have a shred of, your, of, of humility, and if you are at all aware of the slip and slide of the deceitfulness of sin in your own life, then you'll be hesitant to pounce and hammer away on someone else. You'll be quick to pray. Another reason why we pray and not pounce is this. You might be wrong. Another reason we pray and not pounce is because sometimes in our rashness we may go about it in the wrong way and add our sin to their sin. Pray, don't pounce. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if anyone happens to be Caught up in a trespass. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, lest you be tempted. Some try to fix everyone's problems with linebacker love. They love the hit, they love the tackle, they love the scrum. of course, we will inevitably hear it, is because they care so much and they love so much. It is hard love, but it's love. And sometimes they have forgotten that love does cover a multitude of sins. By praying, it shows that we trust the Lord more than our own methods, our own counsel, or an appointment in our own fix-it shop. Did you see? Did you pray? There are examples of intercession all the way through the Bible. Uh, Intercession. Praying for sinners in serious sin. We may be shocked to find that Moses repeatedly made requests for Pharaoh. Pharaoh? Moses repeatedly prayed for the congregation of Israel. Oh, yeah. Murmurers at Mara, Moses prays. Complaints and difficulties and adversities, gripe, gripe, mollygrub, Moses pray. Family complained against Moses. Miriam and Aaron having an issue with Moses' wife, of course, they had to give a religious veneer to it and say, Has the Lord only spoken through you? Miriam becomes leprous. And Moses doesn't go, you deserved it. No, he prays for Miriam. The Lord sent fiery serpents because the people of God were griping about where they were in the wilderness. They hated the food. But the Lord also provided. Jesus prayed for those who did not know what they were doing. They were the crucifiers. Stephen Ask the Lord to not lay the sin against the charge of those who were murdering him. There are many examples in the Bible of people praying for others who are in serious sin. It's okay. But the passage goes on. The end of verse 16 says something like this. There is sin toward death. Concerning that... I am not saying you should ask. Mention is now made of a sin toward death. And we're... It sounds like we're invited to make requests for the one and yet not the other. To pray and not to pray. To even hear a suggestion that we are not to ask about something in prayer could strike us as odd. You mean to tell me there are some things that are off limits? That I'm not supposed to go there in prayer? It seems to slam against our idea of what we are allowed to do or what I might want to do. No. Full vent. When it comes to prayer, most often we hear about our failures in prayer. You do not know how to pray as you ought. You do not pray enough. You do not pray long enough. I can imagine somebody here going, well, I like this, being told not to pray. Perhaps. It does strike us as odd to hear I'm not saying request about that when sin is going on. If we are to pray according to the Lord's will, then it is possible to pray contrary to the Lord's will. There are plenty of things we should be praying about. But have we ever thought about other things that we shouldn't be praying about? Some examples. We should never request that God deny himself. We should never pray that the Lord deny his son whom he sent. Or to change his mind We should never ask God to lie, to act contrary to his holiness, or to break his word. Done. Nor should we ever ask the Lord to let me continue in sin, approve of my rebellion, applaud adultery, unfaithfulness, and wickedness nor should we consult or inquire of the dead. Still we come to this passage and there have been all kinds of suggestions. Just what is this sin toward death? Whatever it is or was, it was known by John and presumably by those who first received the letter because John doesn't unpack it. Now, in all of this, I am hesitant to bring all the pots and pans, measuring cups and cutting boards to the dining room table. I'm hesitant to bring all the prep that goes on in the kitchen out to the table and say, okay, chop, chop. I'll leave the prep in the kitchen and I'll aim to bring a meal to the table. I'll try to offer a little bit here. Sin toward death and sin not toward death. This is odd because we know that all sin is deadly. The paycheck for sin is death and it is a direct deposit. Yes, some sins are worse than others, but all sins deadly. Hmm. It has been suggested that this refers to a distinction between unintentional sins and intentional sins or deliberate sins. Whoops and oh yeah. We're supposed to pray for the one but not the other? How then would you know to pray or not to pray? Well, I believe they meant to do that. Oh, that's the next problem. Haven't we all at some time in our life, or many times in our life, deliberately chosen to sin? If that's the case, turn out the lights. It has also been suggested That the sin toward death refers to sin which is loved or cherished or relished or retained and not repented of. All sin is deadly. Now, how do I know what to pray for, what not to pray for? Unless you have the immaculate perception where you can look into someone else's life and determine... Their repentance has been true. I shall pray for them. we got problems. Well, I believe their repentance is false. I will not pray for them. Why wouldn't you then follow Paul's example and pray that the Lord might give them the gift of repentance and escape the snare of the evil one? (sighs) Has anyone in this room ever ever been deceived in their repentance? Ever? Has anyone in this room ever repented of every single sin you have ever committed? Or in that particular event? Perhaps you've just been partial in your repentance. Oh, what about that nugget over there? They didn't repent of that. I won't pray for them. Beware of dependence upon the perfection of our repentances. It has also been suggested that we are not to pray for those who have committed a sin or a crime which deserves the death penalty. Stephen prayed for his murderers. Jesus prayed for the crucifiers. Next, it has been suggested that the sin toward death is disbelief in Jesus because he is the living bread and the great physician. And without him, there is no life and no health. Well, it is true that apart from Christ, There is no life. There is no health. But is John actually saying that we are not supposed to pray for unbelievers? I scratch my head. Jesus prayed for crucifiers. And the Apostle Paul said prayers and entreaties and petitions are to be made on behalf of all that perhaps the Lord will bring them to the knowledge of the truth. Let me conclude. As someone who attempts to read the Bible and hear the Bible, whatever you might think about this sin toward death, something else ought to be brought into the discussion. Blinking lights ought to go off. For example, when we read in the prophet Jeremiah, as for you, do not pray for this people. Bing, 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 bing. Jeremiah 7:16. Do not lift up cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I do not hear you. Whew. Saying it once would have been enough, but then you flip over a few more pages and Jeremiah 11, verse 14. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or a prayer for them. For I will not listen when they call to me because of their disaster. people getting ready to go into exile listen to the story a people who relished being known as the people of god they turned away and refused to listen their rebellion was also slathered in religious with a religious veneer they kept talking about The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They were very religious. They spoke of cherishing the things of God. They were supposed to be those who looked where the Lord was pointing and go there. But instead, they went deeper into their own ways. And they expected the Lord to be just fine with it. And the Lord boldly says to Jeremiah, don't don't pray. And we're stunned. We're stunned. So whatever we do with the sin unto death, John says, I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying you should make requests about that. We ought to have our blinking lights going. There's something going on there. The Lord will not be mocked. He will not play the games people play. They have repudiated the Lord. They have chosen darkness over light. And the Lord says of them when they pray, I'm, I, I don't hear you. Oh, and don't pray for them. A form of covenant presumption that leads to blindness. And this fits in with 1 John entire. The rejection of the new life that has been ushered in. The fulfillment of creation with the creator coming to creation. John presents a new world. John presents a complete pardon. The old covenant is fulfilled and a new people are formed. And if someone says, nope. John says, you're anti. All this light, the one has come who is both the yes and the amen to all the promises of God. And they are saying, no and no way. They opt to stay with the old world of the shadows and the pictures and the posters on the bedroom wall instead of turning to the one who's the fulfillment of all of that. It's possible that that's connected. Last, I'd like to offer some hope. Something else ought to be put into this prayerful wonderment of what's going on with the weighty words of God. Yes, the wages of sin, death, direct deposit. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. Yet, there is a sin not toward death. There's something else I would like to present to you. We, we know that all sin is deadly. And yet John says there is a sin not toward death. It is interesting that John used that exact phrase in his gospel. Exact phrase. Not toward death. I will tell you where. It's in John 11. Just listen again for the very first time. Mary and Martha, sisters, come to Jesus and speak of their brother one of the most beautiful lines in all the gospels lord the one whom you love is sick it's me and jesus replied that his sickness was not toward death hmm okay 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 but but lazarus died his sickness was not toward death but still Lazarus died. No one said, but Lord, you did not say that he was what, what what's going on here? Perhaps this. Jesus likely meant truly meant that Lazarus's sickness would not be the final outcome. The illness did what some illnesses do, led to death. Yet that death was still overcome by Jesus because death will not have the last word. This passage is humbling, To a Bible reader, to a minister, this passage welcomes prayer. And this passage also warns us about exalting our own understanding. And it always points us to the one who is true. Our every sin is deadly. And yet it is only in Jesus Christ that death will not have the final word. And once again, we rejoice, and this is good news. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.